Let's pray before we come to God's word and seek the Lord's blessing on his, on his word. Father, we come into your tabernacle, Lord, this morning, Lord, and we glorify in your name, Lord. We thank you for the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and his precious shed blood. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. And we pray now, Lord, that you will have your way, Lord, as your word is spoken, Lord. And we hear what you have to say, Lord. Let your name be glorified, Lord. Let your name be exalted in your tabernacle, Lord, among your people. And we be careful, Lord, to give you all the praise and glory and honor, Lord. For no one else is worthy of it, only you, Lord. We praise your holy name, Lord. Amen. Before we get to Psalm 73... Just give me just give me two minutes. I was up early this morning and I felt the Lord tell me to get up and, and pray over the word. So I was up early this morning praying over the word. But a word came to me that's came to me came to me before and I withheld it. But it came again this morning. And just give me two minutes because I'm gonna bring it because I know it's of God. When you come in through that door this morning, you come into God's sanctuary, the house of Yahweh. When you came to the Lord's table this morning, you came through the blood. No other way, through the blood. In your hand now as you sit in his tabernacle, and if you've, you've came to his table, in your hand now you have the word of God. So your Savior who redeemed you and shed his precious blood for you, who hung on that cross and became a curse for you, this book, this book is his word. This book is the greatest possession that you will ever have. And you said to me, Glenn, I know this is the word of God, but do we really? Because I look at this book, and I look at this book and I said, Lord, this is your word. This is your word. But if God's people became familiar with these things, familiar was the word that came to me this morning, and it's happened before. We come through the door, and do we prepare our hearts to worship God? That's the first thing. Do we realize where we're coming into? That's the second thing. His sanctuary, the house of Yahweh. You came to the table and you partook of those emblems, but only by the blood. And now you're about to hear the Lord speaking to you through his word. And that is the word of God in your hand that you have now. And what a blessed people. But familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity equals contempt. But what is contempt? Contempt means that you set something at worthless. 
it's worthless and it's not worth consideration. It's worthless and it's not worth consideration. And so goes the church. So goes the nation. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And it's part two of a battle of the mind and a shake and walk. A battle of the mind and a shake and walk. And I'm not going to go into the first part. It's just too much. But a, a brief recap. Psalm 73 is about a man called Esau. He's a prophet or a seer, if you want to put it like that. And he's a chief musician in the, in the sanctuary in the house of Yahweh. And his name means gatherer, and he gathers the people to praise and worship God. But Esau in his life has got a mind that is in turmoil because the flashy eye is on the wicked and the so-called prosper of the wicked. And we, we, we've spoken about why the wicked prosper. The cup is filled. They're given over to the lusts of their flesh and their heart. And the fuller their cup, the greater the fall. That's why they prosper. Jesus just lets them go to the desires of their heart. They're like a sick man who can't be healed. and just keeps giving them what they want. Fill the cup. Fill the cup, but payback will come. Payback will come. And time will be up. But Esau is in turmoil. And in verse 1 of chapter 73, in the verse 2, it just explains it. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But he says that after his experience. And it says in verse 2, But as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps were well nigh slipped. So we're down to verse 17 now of the chapter and we're on part 2 of Psalm 73 and the end of this chapter Esau enters now the sanctuary of God and God shows him God shows him the wicked in this life and in the next and God shows Esau his life here and in the next and when Esau enters the sanctuary of God Esau's mind starts to clear. The flashy eye goes and the eye of the spirit comes. And the seer can see again. And he can see clearly. And in verse 17, chapter 73, Esau declares, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood either end. Esau's now in the sanctuary. And God shows him the end of the wicked. And you know, trying to work out the providence of God in your flesh is near now impossible. And you see, this was Esau's situation. Esau was trying to work out everything in his own head, but he suffocated with it. He couldn't understand, and he couldn't find the answers to the providence of God in his own body. But when he went to the sanctuary, and he started listening to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ ministering on to him. Then 
Esau starts to understand. Then his mind starts to clear. His heart starts to go stronger. And Esau starts to walk better again. He starts his walk again. Because the lovely Lord Jesus Christ is ministering unto him. Weighing the ways of the wicked in your own heart. And you can't do it. And you can't understand it. And you can't understand the providence of God. But when you go to the sanctuary and you weigh the wicked by the scales of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, they're found wanting every time. You can't, the wicked cannot balance the scales before God. They can't balance the scales no matter what they do. Wealth, prosperity, whatever it is, you cannot balance the scales. They mean nothing to God. Unless you come by the blood, unless you're covered in the blood, you cannot balance the scales before the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. And as man goes to the eternity of God in the sanctuary, he's now out of the mindset of the temporal things and his heart sings a different song and the seer can see again. Now he understands their end. Now he understands their end. He's in the right place. He's in the sanctuary. And the lovely Lord Jesus Christ is ministering unto him. And now he understands. No more envy of the wicked. But their impendent judgment. Their present guilt before the thrice holy God. Fills his mind and fills his soul. The fear of God comes upon him. And the admiration of the grace of God. And the impending destruction of the wicked. It's time brothers and sisters. To get your house in order. And I'm not talking about your material earthly house. I'm talking about your spiritual house. It's time to get it in order. It's time to start. Stop messing about with the things of God. Things are going to heat up. And they're going to heat up quick. And unless you're rooted and grounded, and unless you're in with God's people being fed by your shepherd, unless you're in the prayer meeting, unless you're feeding on the word, and unless your roots go deep, you're going to be in trouble. Now, I'm not saying that you're not saved. Once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. But brothers and sisters, if you're not in the sanctuary being fed by your shepherd, if you're not on the knees in your sanctuary in the home, if you're not on the prayer meeting seeking God's face, it's not going to go well. You've no strength. You've no roots. And then you wonder why everything goes wrong. It's not going to work. You need God in your life. You need to press in an intimate, close relationship with your Savior. The things of this earth will pass. They're chaff. They'll be burned up. And it's going to happen soon. Only the things that are done for Christ will last. And when you stand before him, there's nothing you can give to balance the scales. He'll look for the blood. He'll look for the blood. He won't look for anything else. He won't look for your bank account. 
He won't look for your job, your wealth, your prosperity. He'll look for the blood of his son. And what did you do with my son? I sent my son for you. He shed his precious life's blood for you. I raised him from the dead. The jewel and the crown of heaven, I sent them for you. And the question will be asked, what did you do with my son? And did you trample on the blood? The blood will be sought for. In verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou didst cast them down into destruction. God has placed them where they are. He has placed them where they are and given them over to the desires of their heart to fill their cup. The greater the elevation, the greater the fall. The greater the elevation, the greater the fall. And it says in that verse, in verse 18, it speaks of slippery places. Do you know what that word actually means? Flattery. Puffed up. Set them in position and let them be puffed up and fill their cup. But the greater the elevation, the greater the fall. And the Lord says, you want to reject me and reject my son and reject the blood, you do it. I'll give you over to that. I'll give you all you want. I'll put you in a position of flattery. And the world thinks you're great. But God says payback. Payback will come. Make no mistake about it. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Payback will come. A slippery place. Meaning flattery. Only to be cast down. Their destruction is not only sudden but entire. Listen to these words. This is Spurgeon saying this. Spurgeon's quotes. Their destruction is not only sudden but entire. Whole, done and complete. Who wants a portion with the wicked? Not me. Listen to those words. Whole, done and complete. Nothing in this life but a cup filled for judgment, sliding and slipping and flattery, given over, and nothing in the next, raised up with a full cup for a mighty fall in this life and terror of judgment of a holy God in the next. Who wants a portion with the wicked now? Not me. You can keep it. Oh, but what about all the, what about all the, uh, you know, all the perks? Keep them. You can have them. What about all the wealth? You can keep it. What about all the fame? <laughs> you can keep it. Do you know what I want? I want the well done of God. You can keep your world. It's a sewer pit anyway. They've racked it, made a mess. There's only one answer to this world and it's the return of Jesus Christ and the new world order. There's a new world order coming, you know, and it's not the one you hear about. It's my saviour and the new Jerusalem, his people. And we will rule and reign. Get ready to rule and get ready to reign. Get ready, you're going to have position in his kingdom and you'll rule and you'll reign 
and righteousness will rule and reign. Not the filthy. I'll, I'll stop there before I say something. I'll just leave it there. In verse 19 of the chapter. How are they brought into the desolation as in a moment? Brought into desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed. Listen to the words. This is God showing us off this. This is in the sanctuary. This is God's word. Utterly consumed with terrors. Utterly consumed with terrors. In the verse 18. Sorry, the verse 19. A statement of sudden destruction. Sudden destruction by God to the wicked. No hope, no escape. No chance of a future restoration. Listen to that word. A lost eternity. A lost eternity. And no hope of a future restoration because they've rejected Christ and trampled the blood. No hope. An eternity of no hope. And separation from God. Who wants their portion with the wicked? Who wants their portion with the wicked? Who envies the wicked? I don't. Listen to the words. These are God's words. How are they brought into desolation? Desolation. As in a moment. They won't know when it's going to happen. But it'll happen. They are utterly consumed with terror. Before an angry God. They have nothing left. There's nothing left for the wicked. They cease to exist among the sons of men. And in the world to come. They cease to exist in the sons of men. And in the world to come. And they fall into the terror of God. There's nothing left of the former glories. And they are consumed by God and forgotten here and in eternity. Who wants their portion with the wicked? Verse 20. As a dream when one awaketh, so, Lord, when thou awakest, Thou shalt despise their image. Now, don't take that verse that God's sleeping. Okay? Let's go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And listen to this psalm. This is is powerful. Psalm 121. Let's read it. This is a wonderful psalm. Verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. So that verse means praying. Praying more. Praying up. Praying up. I will lift up mine eyes. Under the hills from whence cometh my help. Praying up. Verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord. Who are you praying to? Who's your help? It's the Lord. Which made heaven and earth. You're praying up 
to Christ, the creator, which made heaven and earth. Verse 3, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth, he keepeth thee. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Now there's the word slumber. Okay. Make no mistake. Christ isn't sleeping at the wheel. And I say that reverently. Christ is not sleeping at the wheel. Don't be fooled. In verse 4. Behold he that keepeth Israel. Shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's not sleeping. In verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The right hand speaks of power. And the right hand speaks of authority. In verse 6. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. And what does that verse mean? It means when the sun's in the sky, you're protected. When the moon's in the sky, you're protected. When the sun's in the sky, you're protected. When the moon's in the sky, you're protected. Protected, 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 protected. So let's put them verses together. The Lord is not asleep at the wheel. It means that you're looking up and you're praying on to God. He is your stability. He's not sleeping. He knows everything about you. He's in complete control. His right hand of power is upon you and he protects you. That's what that means. What a psalm. The right hand of the Lord is upon you and he is your protection day and night. You're telling me that God doesn't know what he's doing. Of course he does. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in complete control. You're under the protection of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows exactly what he's doing. They owe their prosperity and their existence to the forbearance of God. He's forbearing with them. That's what it is. What does forbearance mean? His restraint. His restraint and his tolerance. When you look at the wickedness in this earth today and you think of the restraint and the tolerance of God, what a gracious and a mercy, merciful God. What a gracious and a merciful God. He could just consume it all. Consume it all. The grace and the mercy and the forbearance of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. The wealth that you need today is the wisdom of God. That's your wealth. The wisdom of Christ. And verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. Asaph is looking back and he said I was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. And that word reins means his kidneys. He was right through to his kidneys. Asaph couldn't stand to look at the wicked and the prosperity of the wicked. He looks back at his pain and his anguish and his turmoil and his mind was going and his heart was fainting and his walk was all over the place because the flashy eye was looking at the world and the wicked and the prosperity. He was pricked in his reins. Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24 and verse 19 and 20. And it says this, 
Fret not thyself because of evil men. Fret not thyself because of evil men. Neither be thou envious at the wicked. Listen to the next verse. For there shall be no reward, nothing left to the evil man. There's nothing left to the evil man in this life or the next. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. What, what does that mean? It means, you know the way you've maybe got a candle lit in the house and you wet the fingers and you do that. That's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to go, that's you done. That's you done. Time's up. The forbearance of God is over. The grace and the mercy of God is over. You've trampled all over the blood. You've mocked me. Time's up. God is not mocked. Time's up. Nothing in this life. Lost in the next. Sobering. Sobering. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. Christ is coming back. Get your house in order. Stop messing about with the things of God. So goes the church. So goes the nation. Look at the nation. Cesspit. Every sin going. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in general. Look at the church. What a mess. What a load of rubbish. Lethargic. Can't be bothered. I'll not go the night. I can't go to the prayer meeting. I have to go to a football match. What a load of garbage. Utter tripe. Wake up. Wake up, church. Get a grip. Christ is coming back. He's not coming back to be crucified. He's not coming back for a picnic. He's coming back to rule and reign with a rod of iron. He's coming back to put his foot on the neck of the Christ rejecter. He's coming back to pour terror on the wicked. It's time to wake up. It's time to get a grip. It's time to stop clocking the cord and playing church. Load of nonsense. I've been to church this morning. Big deal. So what? Where was your heart? Where was your heart? Did you come in and worship him? Did you praise him? Did you give him honor and glory? Or are you thinking about the ice cream in Port Rush Harbor? Come on, let's get real. Let's stop messing about. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. Verse 22. So foolish was I, and ignorant. Foolish. He says he was foolish, and he says he was ignorant. And he even puts it like this. He was like a beast before God. He was like a beast before God. How many of us come before God foolish and ignorant, and like a beast before a holy God? Before a holy God. So foolish was I. Foolish to envy the wicked. And behaving like I did. I sprang to be like them. 
aspiring to be like the wicked. Imagine a child of God aspiring to be like the wicked. Imagine it. How can it be? Listen to the words of the psalm. Listen to what Christ says to Asaph in the sanctuary. And he aspired to be like the wicked. He aspired for the wealth. He aspired for the riches. Where the life is snuffed out and you have nothing here and you have nothing in eternity. He aspired to it. And he has Christ. What more do you want? What do you want? He acted like he knew nothing before God. You know, we need to be careful how we come before God. Esau said he came like an animal. He came like an old brute of a beast. And he acted as if he knew nothing. This is a seer. This is a prophet for Israel. This was a gatherer of the people. This was a man who was chief musician in the house of Yahweh. He acted like a brute before God. But you want to know something? I'd be capable of it too. So we need to be careful as well. We need to learn from God's word. We need to learn from Psalm 73. He was like a beast or brutish before God and God's presence. Imagine acting like that in God's presence. He was judging things by the temporal. He is disgusted with himself. He sees it. And there's disgust at his actions before a holy God. And he examines himself. You know, sometimes you need to examine yourself. You're keeping yourself right. You're on the right track. Before you start trying to keep anybody else right. And if you're in a communion with God. And in the sanctuary with God. God will keep you right. And keep yourself right first. Before you go sorting anybody else out. And when you do it, do it in love as well. Because we can all fall. Our minds can all go and our hearts can all go and our walk can all go. Every single one of us. He is disgusted with himself. He examined himself and he's found guilty. In his own mind, of acting like a brute. Brutish before God. You see, the double nature of man. The flesh brings out the brute and the spirit affiliates with God. The flesh brings out the brute. Once the flesh comes out, so you're all over the place. But the spirit affiliates with God, the flesh and the spirit and the two rage. Rage all the time against each other, the flesh. You make decisions in the flesh, don't go well. Make decisions in the spirit, that's different. That's a different thing altogether. In verse 23 of the chapter. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. There it is again, the right hand. Nevertheless, that's a fantastic verse. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. That word holden. That word holden means to grasp or grip. Grasp or grip. So if you go to the verse 2 again. It says, my feet were almost gone. But it says there in that verse, in verse 23, holding. Do you know what happened to Esau? Jesus came along and he grabs him like this. He grabs him and he grips him. And he says, right, Esau, come on. 
That's what it means. He gripped them and he grabbed them. Hold them. That's what it means. And there it is again in the verse. Holding me by my right hand. He grips him. He holds him. And he says, Esau, come on. Listen. And he starts ministering on to him. And the right hand comes again. And he's seized and he's grasped. And the right hand speaks of power. But it also speaks of favor. Imagine. Imagine Esau. My feet were almost gone. Almost gone. Not fully gone. Who keeps them? Talk about it earlier. The word keep comes up. Keep. Christ comes along and he sees his mind and he sees his heart and he sees his walk and he grabs him. And the right hand comes. Power of Christ. But there's favor in that right hand as well. What a merciful God. What a merciful God. Esau the brute. Coming before God like an animal. All over the place. All over the place. His head, his mind, his heart, his walk. Gone. Almost. But Christ steps in. Christ steps in and grabs him. With the right hand of power and the favor of God. Imagine the favor of God upon an old brute like me. An old brute. And I'm good for nothing. Huh? It's true. And I'm good for nothing. And the favor of God upon you. What grace and what mercy. What grace and what mercy from the lovely Lord Jesus Christ that he would take an old brute and he'll throw the arm around you and say, come on, Glenn, get up. Because I need it many a time. Get up. And he gives you power to speak the word. And he gives you favor. And he says, you're mine. Get up. Get up. And you start wavering in your walk. And he says, get up. And he starts ministering on to you. Are you like Esau this morning? Have you come into this sanctuary this morning? And your mind is all over the place. You're, you're not here. Your body's here, but you're not here. I'll put it like that. And we all have our trials and our troubles, and, and some of them are great. And your head's going, and your heart's faint, and your walk's going. You're in the house of Yahweh, and Christ says to you this morning, get up. He's throwing the arm around you. He's grasping you, and he's saying, you're mine. Get up. Get up. You're mine. You're blood-bought. Get up. And he starts ministering on to you. And he grabs you by the right hand. And his power and favor is upon your life. Are you an Esau this morning? Your steps are almost gone. Almost. But they won't completely go. Because you're God's. You're in the blood. You're covered in the blood. He won't lose you. How's your mindset this morning? How's the mindset? Esau confesses his folly before God and distress and continues in communion with God and God sees his heart was genuine. You know, God sees your heart. God seen the heart of Esau and he saw it was genuine and he says, Esau, I see your heart. 
I know you're sorry. And it's a genuine burden on Esau. And the Lord forgives him. And forgiveness comes. And he gathers him up. And he says, Esau, you're mine. What favor? The favor and the mercy of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 24. Listen to this verse. This verse is, is amazing. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward receive me to glory. The counsel and the glory. Verse 24 of the chapter. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Esau is now done with choosing the way. His own way, his own flesh. And trying to reason with God's providence. He's done with it. It's over. He stops debating with himself. And he stops trying to work everything out. And he puts his hand in God's hand to be led in the right path again asking to be led and obedient to follow the end of our wisdom is the beginning of wisdom when we are led by God's wisdom Spurgeon said that the end of our wisdom is the beginning of wisdom when we are led by God's wisdom Stop trying to work everything out. I met a man the other week. I felt sorry for him, I really did. Trying to work everything out. Head racked. And I said to him, the blood, the blood on the cross and a merciful God. I says, go back to that. Go back to it. People in his ear. Man's head's racked. All over the place. Seek the wisdom of God for your life. Stop trying to work out God's providence. You you can't do it. You can't do it. You have to live by faith. God is in control. God knows exactly what he's doing. God is in control. Don't try and Muddle your mind with the providence of God. Live by faith. Esau is now in a place where the experience of Psalm 73 sets him in good stead for the days ahead. You, know, you, you can learn by your mistakes. When the Lord Jesus Christ gathers you up again, you can look back and you can say, yes, this was wrong, and you can help somebody else who's maybe in the same place. Listen to this. Receive me to glory. Receive me to glory. Taken into God's presence after death. He sees the eternity of the saint. And being received to glory. By God himself. You know. Counseled by God in this life. When you're blood bought. He counsels you in this life. And then he takes you into his eternity. God's eternity. Why would you ever want a portion with the wicked? Why would you ever want it? God counsels you in this life. You have the favor and the power of God in this life. He counsels you. And then after counseling you and giving you power and favor in this life, he brings you into his glory. 
why would you ever want a portion with the wicked? Because it's snuffed out. There's no remembrance here. And there's nothing in eternity. Who wants a portion with the wicked? Who? Who wants it? You can keep it. Esau turns his gaze now to heaven and his saviour. His eyes are now off the temporal and off the world. He realises his God and his eternity eclipse any wealth, health, honour and prosperity this world can offer. It's eclipsed. When you start to go to the glories of God, the counsel of God and his glories, this world and everything to do with this world is eclipsed. It's eclipsed. God is all in all. God is all in all. For you and for me. There's no other portion for Esau. He realizes now that he's in his right mind. There's no other portion for Esau on this earth. Only God. And God in the next. In verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. Now Esau's walk is back. Esau is back. Now how did Esau get back? He didn't do it on his own. He entered the sanctuary of God. Now Esau's mind is clear. His heart and his mind are in union. Because he seeks now the heart of God. And he's seeking the heart of God. The mind goes with it. And if your heart's right and your mind's right, your walk's right. It has to be the heart of God. Seek the heart of God. And Esau now sees the heart of God in the sanctuary. And Esau now is on track. He says, my flesh and my heart faileth. His totality, that means his totality. His flesh and his heart were failing. Esau's total being was nearly gone. His total being was nearly gone. The totality of his being was nearly gone. His flesh and his heart. And he wouldn't fail. He would fail in his own strength. But he looked to the rock. He looked to the rock Christ Jesus. The rock Christ Jesus is an image of an immovable. It's unmovable. Your heart and your flesh can fail you. But Christ the rock is unmovable. He never changes. You would have put your trust. You would have put your walk and your feet on anything in this world. Put it on the rock. Put it on stability. Put it on favour. 
where the right hand is and put your life under the blood and say, God, sometimes I don't understand your providence, but I don't need to. I know you're in control. I know you're my, I know that I am yours and you are mine and I'm under the blood. You're saved, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. The enemy comes, I'm saved. The enemy comes, I'm saved. The enemy comes, I'm Christ's. The enemy comes, I'm blood-bought. I'm saved now, and I'm saved for all eternity. It's finished, it's over. I'm blood-bought, it's done. And you tell yourself that over and over again. Over and over again. Fill your mind with the things of God. Fill your mind with the things of God and then you don't have any room for garbage. Garbage. I said at the very start, this is the word of God. Look at that book. Look at that. That's the word of God. That's your Savior's words. Does it gather dust on the shelf? Does it gather dust on the shelf? Do you lift the remote to watch your football team? I don't have anything against football, to be honest. As long as it's not coming before God. Because then it's an idol. Let's get it in order. Would you lift something else before you lift this book? If you have free time, and you're lifting something else before you lift this book, you have the word of God in your home. See, see this book. This book should be front and center in your house. Front and center. Does it gather dust from Sunday to Sunday? The word of God. And then people wonder why they struggle. Is it any wonder why you struggle? You don't read the word. You're not in the prayer meeting. You come on a Sunday to clock your card and your way it'll follow on Sunday. Come on church. Come on church. I'm struggling. Oh, really? I haven't seen you in a couple of months. Don't take Sherlock Holmes to work it out. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's get real. Things are getting tight, aren't they? Yeah? Things are accelerating. I was saying to my friend, he's a believer the other day, this last 10 years, look at the acceleration of evil. The acceleration, the foot's on the throttle. Satan's on the throttle, but Christ is coming back. When you see evil accelerating the way it is now, Jesus is coming back. The forbearance of God is nearly over. Get your house in order. Get your house in order. Christ is coming back. He's coming back for his church. What will his church look like when he comes? Tottered and worn? I don't think so. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a Holy Ghost revival. It's coming. Are you ready? I can hear it. I can hear the Holy Ghost revival coming. Are you ready for it? That's what we need. The power of the Holy Ghost sweeping through Ulster again. And all the filthy MPs and MLAs, they're not all bad. And all the rulers of wickedness and evil snuffed out. And Christ says, time's up. No more. Time's up. No more. It's coming. When the foot's on the accelerator of evil, Christ is coming. Because the enemy knows time is short. 
But I believe there'll be a revival before he comes. I believe there's a revival coming. Christ's not coming back for his bride the way it is now. Tottered and worn and lethargic. Carefree, careless attitude. It's not happening. You better buckle up. Verse 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. There it is again. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. Go a whoring. Spiritual whoredom. Spiritual whoredom after other gods. And you notice the language in that verse. For lo, it says behold. Lo means behold. They that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them. It says thou hast destroyed. It doesn't say he's going to do it. He says thou hast destroyed. It's already happened. It's already spoken. Everyone that goes whoring after other gods and rejects the Son of God, the one true God, capital G, you will be destroyed. It's already happened. It's spoken by the word in that verse. Verse 28, let's finish the chapter. But it is good for me to draw near to God. It's good to draw near to God, isn't it? Get into the sanctuary. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Asaph's back. He's back to verse 1. Full circle. Verse 1 of Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. That clean heart, by the way, doesn't mean he's sinless. It means he's sincere in following Christ. He's back to verse 1. From verse 28, what a journey that was for Esau. He's been through the mill, hasn't he? From verse 28 to verse 1. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Draw near to God. Have you got a sanctuary in your home? Have you got a place where you can go when the Lord calls you? And you can draw near to God. You can get away from distractions. Draw near to God. And we need to draw near to God in these days. Especially, be near to God and you'll be okay. Your mind and your heart and your walk will be good. I have put my trust in the Lord God. Trust in the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth. Where else would you put your trust now? Who would you trust now? There's people you wouldn't trust them as far as you could throw them. Isn't that right? There's only one you can put your trust in now. The Savior who's coming back. Put your trust in God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all his works. Declare his works. Work for the Master. Speak his word. Ah, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble. Who cares? Who cares anymore? I don't. 
What's the, you know, who cares? They, they talk about you anyway. Just speak the word of God and you'll be blessed for it. You'll be blessed. I'm going to get in trouble. Pastor Ken, tell you all about that. Pastor Ken doesn't care. Why should he? Because he's got the power and authority of God behind him. A pastor who's not afraid to speak the truth. A pastor who comes out fighting with his full armor on, no backplate, because he's not going back, you see. You're not going back. You're going forward. You're told to go forward and put your armor on. You won't need a backplate because the enemy won't see your back because I'm not running from anybody. Ah, Glenn, yeah? Well, I mean it. I'm sick of this world. I'm sick of the sin. I'm sick of the garbage. I'm sick of a lethargic church. I don't mean this one. I don't mean this one. But I'm sick of the church in general. A load of nonsense. A load of tripe and drivel. Wake up. Maybe they all needed backplates because they're all going that way. There's a few going forward and the rest going back. Cards. Afraid to speak out and speak up. You weren't called to be a card. What do you think the armor's for? You put your armor on to go in the battle. Ooh, the enemy's coming. So what? Get stuck in. Fight back. Put your armor on and go forward. And glorify God. That's what it's about. Glorify God. God is with us. Who can be against us? Nobody. Nobody can be against us. God is in control. God's people should be going forward and victory after victory after victory. Not carrying in the corner. Not carrying in the corner. It is good to draw near to God. Draw near to Him. It is beneficial for you, helpful, strengthening. To draw near to the creator and your comforter. Faith stirs up confidence and trust in God. Draw near. Be constant in your walk. Pressing in with your relationship with the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and be intimate. Take time to be intimate with Christ. Listen to what he has to say. Drawing near to God is our wisdom. Drawing near to God is our honor, our safety, our peace, and our riches. That's your riches. That's your peace. That's your honor. And that's your safety. Is drawing on to God and his wisdom. He says that I may declare the works of God. Declare his works. Speak, speak out and speak up for Christ. You look at him this morning hanging on that cross in your mind's eye. Having gave its jewel, having gave its best, and he he hangs and he's bleeding and he's dying for you. He's bleeding and he's dying, and you're covered in the blood and your blood bought. Speak up, speak up for Christ, and don't be afraid to do it. Esaph declares the counsel of God. In his life again. And then he will be received into glory. 
So after his battle with his mind, after his battle with his heart, and after his shake and walk, Christ takes him, cures his mind, cures his heart and steadies his walk. And Esau declares at the end of Psalm 73, he declares there's no other portion for me in this life. There's no other portion in the next life. Only Christ. Christ is your portion here. Christ is your portion in the next life. And Esau declares it. And Esau goes full circle. And Esau is now back to verse 1. Praise God. Thank you.